Scoops with Danny Mac, the podcast on 101 ESPN. And Carpenter hits a high fly ball out to deep right center at the wall. Gone! He loves it in Kansas City. One to nothing Cardinals. That was the only bright spot for the St. Louis Cardinals. Welcome into Scoops with Danny Mack. This is the Tuesday edition of the program. Uh, Cardinals could not muster much offense, and that has been the story for St. Louis in 2020. Cardinals fall to the Royals 4-1. to Joel Goldberg of the Kansas City Royals broadcast team will be my guest. Text line is always open for you, 65780, the Air Comfort Service. Text line 65780. Rhino Shield mic drop as well is there for you on the 101 Sports app. Uh, love this one right away. Hey, Martha Stewart, start talking sports. Okay, so Randy and I were talking about what he brought in. He brought in carrot cake, man. He's a nice guy. He brought in carrot cake for me and my family, dude. Or a young lady or ma'am, whatever. I don't know. It's on a text line. Okay, give me a break. We had three hours to fill. We talked two minutes about carrot cake. I like carrot cake. And if I want to talk carrot cake, I'll talk carrot cake. And he did it for me and my family. It was very nice of Randy. Filled in for Michelle this morning. We got baseball coming up later tonight. And the pregame show on Fox Sports Midwest. That'll come your way at 6.30. So the Cardinals fall to the Royals 4-1. to Adam Wainwright looked pretty good. Five and two-thirds, three earned, seven strikeouts. The big play of the game, though, the Cardinals decided to walk Jorge Soler. They pitched to Michael Franco. He drives in two runs. That was the difference in the game. That made it 3-1. to one. Giovanni Gallegos, he came in, gave up a run, 4-1 the final. Mike Schilt, after the game, said the Cardinals were comfortable with the walk to Soler in that sixth inning. Yeah, we were comfortable with how it went down and didn't execute the, you know, after that. But, I mean, ground ball to right field, you know, but but to the left of first base, it's not a not a common thing. So that ball sit. We'll take that soft contact. You can't always tell you where it's going to go, but you know, just because it doesn't work doesn't mean it wasn't right. It was soft contact, and you live by the shift, you die by the shift. The Cardinals had shifted on Franco, and this is what happened with the soft contact. If you looked at it analytically, if they were playing straight up, that is a base hit thirteen percent of the time. But Goldschmidt was off the line. And that's the way it goes. They lose the game, and now they have to bounce back. They're going to face a really good pitcher tonight in Brady Singer. And uh, Mike Schilt and the Cardinals are now tied with Cincinnati. Yeah, you know what? I mean, they all count. Clearly, we don't come to the park any day, and you don't feel good about it. They do. They do. The wins are, you know, important at the end of the year when you're fighting and the losses, you know. But the fact of the matter is, you know, played a pretty straight-up ball game, and a couple balls bounced their way, and, really pretty much the story of the game and and um you know you can't get too sideways about that you don't have to like it but you can you know know that's the game and you move on and i thought wayne was great in control and um you know a couple balls you know like i said gordon hits the ball a little harder you know he's probably got a real good chance him at the plate you know franco hits the ball more towards first and you know so it's the game though right you know that's the way it works and um we'll show up tomorrow ready to play yeah the gordon ball was in the fifth inning cardinals brought the infield in the bases were loaded. Colton Wong, soft ground ball. Thought about going to the plate. I think made the wise decision to get the out at first. That tied the game 1-1. 
Then Bubba Starling would ground out to third. Cardinals out of the inning. It's 1-1. Then in the sixth inning, strikeout of Nicky Lopez. Base hit by Merrifield. Strikeout of Mondesi. So you have a runner at first. And then Salvador Perez, the base hit. He is red hot, uh, by the way, folks. He's hitting 500 since he came off the injured list, and that's in nine games. Then that was the decision. Do you pitch to Jorge Soler or not? They decided not to pitch to him, pitched around him. That walked up the uh, walked the bases loaded. Michael Franco came up, and that was the deciding blow in the game. Adam Wainwright, after the start, talked about the sixth inning and what transpired in that inning. Yeah, the, the hardest part for me is I'm, I'm standing on the mound. I know that our team needs me to get that zero right there. And I'm feeling it. I felt great today. My stuff was pretty good. And I knew that that was the, you know, the biggest spot in the game. I slowed the inning down big time, you know, tried to go at my pace. Normally I work pretty quick, but in that inning, you just, you got to slow the game down. And I, I, I felt like I did, did all of that. Those guys just threw some really good at bats on me. Yeah, they did. The opponents right uh, now uh, for Kansas City, you know, against right-handed pitching, they have something like 22 extra base hits total against right-handed pitching the entire year. They were hitting 217 against right-handed pitching, um, and also runners in scoring position right around 215 with two outs. So the move made some sense. Cardinals pitching this year right now, third best in ERA in the National League, first in opponent average, 14th in strikeouts, fifth in starters ERA, fourth in bullpen ERA. So if you get it 1-1 in that point in the game you feel pretty good about it because their pitching's been so good the offense not so much nine strikeouts again last night colt wong talked about trying to grind through this point in the season i mean as you watch you know the past couple games you know it just kind of took that one hit to kind of get everybody going uh we didn't have that tonight and you know it's just kind of how it's been uh you know we haven't really had anything kind of go our way we've been grinding nonstop, trying to figure out ways to scratch you know runs across scratching wins and um you know we just gotta keep going you know we've been through a tough stretch so far so we know that you know everyone's a little tired but we understand the goal ahead and we're, we're just trying to continue to fight and push through so you got two left with uh, the road trip with Kansas City. You got five with Milwaukee. Potentially two left the doubleheader with Detroit, which will be on Monday. It's Austin Gomber, Brady Singer tonight, Carlos Martinez, Danny Duffy going tomorrow. We had on the program with Randy Carricker this morning, longtime broadcaster of the Kansas City Royals, former Cardinal Rex Hudler. He talked about the guy they're going to face tonight. This guy's tough. One of their young pitchers. They love him. His name is Brady Singer. What we want to see tonight is Brady Singer. Watch out, Cardinals, because we got a good young pitcher. Now, you guys are used to having pitchers every every other week come up that are fantastic. We got a guy that we drafted in 18 pitching tonight who almost threw a no-hitter a couple starts ago. He followed up with in his next start with an almost immaculate inning to start the game. He punched out uh, three uh, Tigers and 10 pitches. Uh, this kid's got a real nice moving fastball. It'll be interesting to see if he can uh, cut through the bird's back. We'll see that. And Mike Matheny really going for broke yesterday. He had Hernandez, the starter, go three and two-thirds. Then it was Newberry, Barlow, Stammen, Hahn, Holland. They have got good arms coming out of their bullpen. And Rex talked about the job that Mike has done so far in Kansas City. Mike Matheny, to have a veteran manager that's had a lot of success already in the game, uh, come and join your team. A guy who's energetic, who's analytic, who's very uh, vocal. Now I know that there was that there they, there was reported there was some some issues with him, but as there is with every manager, it's impossible to make everybody happy. But what he did in his year or so off, in his two years off before Dayton Moore hired him, he worked uh, on analytics. Uh, he went and got schooled 
by a media a guru, a guy who helped him with different things. So here's a manager who obviously was not done in his career with managing, knew that he would get another opportunity. And the fact that he worked on some of the things that he he lacked some of the skills, he is a, a much improved manager. And watching these guys play with energy every night, uh, you know, the rebuild process is working pretty good. That We've got a couple of chips. But the main thing that Matheny's done is he's brought a sense of urgency to every game. No matter where we are in the standings, baseball is, is a game that you're, you're fortunate enough to be here at major league level and that you're fortunate enough to, to be able to play. So we're going to give every bit of effort to not only us and our organization, but for the fan base. And that's exactly how you play. You play baseball like it could be your last Always a good guy to visit with. That's Rex, uh, Rex Hudler. He'll be on the Kansas City side of things coming up tonight. 6-3-6. Danny Mack, is it even worth going to the playoffs with a lackluster offense? Yes. Because you have pitching. Just went through the numbers of the pitching. Yes. And there's going to be 500 teams that go to the playoffs. There's going to be so many teams that get in, and a lot of fan bases are talking about this. Our team isn't good enough to get in. We shouldn't get in because of this, that, and the other. Is it frustrating to watch the offense? Of course it is. Offense is not where it needs to be. It's been frustrating. But yet, they can pitch. Austin Gomber goes tonight. Carlos Martinez tomorrow. Good pitching can shut down a good offense. The Atlanta Braves, by the way, who the Cardinals may match up with, their pitching has been terrible. But they can hit. We'll see. And it's a best of three. You pitch two good games, you pitch well, you advance. That's the beauty of the sport. Just get in. Now, I'll agree. It's frustrating to watch the offense. They're not getting the timely hit. That has been problematic for this team. There is no other way around it. That's a fact. That is a fact. Danny Mac, talk carrot cake all you want. Thank you very much. Lighten up, Francis. That's what he said. Or she said. Thank you, 314. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Cardinal baseball is coming up tonight on Fox Sports Midwest. And if you're on the other side of the state, which some of you may be getting, whether you're in Columbia, Missouri or beyond, it'll be on Fox Sports Kansas City. And you'll see my good friend, Joel Goldberg. He'll be on the broadcast for the Kansas City Royals. Joel, good morning to you. How are you? Danny Mack, how are you? I'm doing well, buddy. Uh, your Royals uh, took one last night, 4-1 to one over the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, one of the things that's standing out that I'm seeing, I saw it in the first series with the Royals in St. Louis. I saw it again last night. The Royals have some arms. Um, can you describe yeah. what's what's going on right now with the Kansas City Royals with the arms that are there and the arms that are coming through your system? Yeah, I think that's really exciting, and it's interesting because it's a little bit, to me, in some ways different than the last time. You know, they had to go out and get some of those arms. Remember Johnny Cueto? They had the bullpen, obviously, and it looks like they're building that again. But you'll see it tonight, and of course, no guarantees. I I remember a few years back pumping up a guy that we had that was on a roll to Dennis Eckersley, uh, which was pretty cool that a Hall of Famer wanted my opinion, and I told him how good he's been, and then he was terrible. So, you know, I, I, who knows what will happen tonight. That's baseball, right? But Brady Singer tonight, you know, he's he, he's given up just a couple of hits in his last two starts. He almost had a no-hitter. 
uh, almost had an immaculate inning in his last start. And they've got a, just a ton of those type of guys. And that's part of having struggled. And, you know, the minor leagues, they had to trade some of that away. And, and you know, they went all in for 2014 and 15. And it went obviously very well for them with two pennants and a world championship. But they've had to rebuild this. And so 2018, they had five of the top 58 draft picks. And they used all five of those on college pitchers. So they've really been able to speed up that process with those college pitchers. And then, you know, what you saw even last night, uh, he didn't last too, too long, but that's a 23-year-old kid making his his second big league start, and he'd never appeared before A-ball uh, before this year, which in some ways is a product of the, of the pandemic and no minor leagues. But they've got a lot of arms coming, and I, I think that they're really excited about that. I want, I want to go a little bit further about Mike Matheny. Now, I've heard about how he went into – studying analytics and did a lot of media stuff and and that's all well and good but he also spent a lot of time of his time last year in the minor leagues and can you get into that in terms of what he was able to do going behind the scenes maybe traveling to the affiliates and learning more about these kids that now he's he's getting a chance to see at the big league level yeah and i think it goes both ways here dan because one these guys um, well, first off, as you just said, he got a chance to to see all these players. So there's no one that, that he is seeing this year that he hadn't seen before if they were in the system. And so he was able to build some of those relationships with those guys, get a feel for who they were, but also their coaches, the minor league coaches, the instructors. And, and so this wasn't starting from square one, but I think it's also the other way around too. And so when they went looking for a managerial candidate, they had a year's worth of observing him. And, you know, whether they knew that Ned Yost was going to be done after last year or not, he'd been there, you know, 10 years. It was nearing the end, if not last year, this year, whatever it was going to be. So the Royals organization had a great feel for Mike Matheny. And I I can't tell you how many different coaches and instructors around, uh, around the organization that had good experiences. And, and Dave Moore, their GM, who, who I, I think operates with, with a lot of similarities uh, to a John Mozeliak, uh, and, and I know that, that Mo also has that president's role, but in terms of listening to people and, and, and getting that consensus and then ultimately making the decision, and across the board, everybody just raved about about what Matheny, uh, his presence, and just sort of the, the relationships that he built all of last year. So, you know, those guys tend to disappear, and I think by design. I mean, I, I saw Mike last year in spring training, and then I never saw him again. And I, I think he wasn't going to be the guy that was hovering over the batting cage or hovering over Ned Yost's shoulders. And uh, so I, I think it's worked out well. There's a real nice feel and a trust. And then, you know, you mentioned it too. I mean, he did go out there and work on the analytics. He, he worked on media. I mean, he's been as easy to deal with as anybody I've, I've ever dealt with. And so that's been obviously a benefit for us. How about Cal Eldred, our old buddy that pitched here yeah. and then was working on uh, our broadcast on Fox Sports Midwest. Uh, he's had his hands full too with a young pitching staff and trying to do it through a pandemic. But how is Cal holding up? Cal's holding up great, uh, I think. I mean, you know, I'm like you, like we, we have so little uh, connectivity to these guys right now, but you know everybody loves Cal. Obviously, you know that, and you know what's interesting to me too is when you look at, and I think this will only continue with Mike Matheny being here. But if you start to look at some of the people that are working in this organization, uh, so Cal Eldred is the pitching coach. 
John Mabry uh, is is one of the coaches in the dugout, so that shouldn't be a surprise with his connection and, and long-term relationship with Matheny. But even going back before Matheny, Reggie Sanders is an advisor to the general manager. Abraham Nunez is in the minor leagues, has been for a lot of years. Jason Sacchi is in the minor leagues. Uh, I think one of the pitching coordinators, I'm terrible with titles. Uh, and I, I know I'm missing some other guys. So, you know, they, they have certainly pulled a lot. For, uh, Jeff Supon, for yep. many, many, many years, has been a very respected pitching instructor at the lower, le- lower levels for the Royals and probably could do anything he wants. So, uh, but, but in terms of Cal, you know, very, um, um, I mean, Cal's exactly what you would think. I mean, everybody loves Cal and he, he, he's tough to pin down because he's so hardworking every day, like most pitching coaches. And, and I think it's interesting because he's got, for the most part, a really young staff that he's got the ability to mold right now. How about John Mabry's role in St. Louis? He was the hitting coach. What has been the primary role for John with Kansas City? Um, kind of a little bit of everything, and he's sort of like that extra coach. You know, they get that extra coach. They don't have a an actual title like first base coach or bench coach or, or, or whatever it is. But um, I know that he has done – he's essentially been the second hitting coach. So uh, these days, the way guys spend all their time in the cage, there, there's just not enough uh, bodies to go around in terms of coaching and, and, and getting these guys ready with all the T work and cage work and everything that they're doing. So I know that you talk to any hitter from a Whit Merrifield uh, uh, to an Adalberto Mondesi and everyone in between here, they, they're always raving about Terry Bradshaw, the hitting coach who way back when played for the Cardinals and um, uh, before my time and, and also John Mabry. They're, they're talking about how good both of those guys are all the time. How cool is it to have uh, Patrick Mahomes, the quarterback of the Kansas City Roy- uh, Kansas City Chiefs, and now he's a part owner of the Kansas City Royals? Describe that a little bit and, and his relationship with the team. Well, I just like to tell people I work for Patrick Mahomes. Nice. And I yeah. Don't know, yeah. I don't really know what that does for me, but it seems to give me some extra clout, I guess. I mean, I'm trying to think, Dan, like who – I'm trying to think like – how his standing in this community right now, what it would compare to the guys that I covered. And certainly when Kurt Warner was doing his thing, um, you know, he couldn't have gone anywhere in town. Obviously, Albert, um, I guess Big Mac, um, obviously the great legendary uh, Cardinal baseball players. But, you know, it's like you have Patrick Mahomes, number one here in town, and then a distant second, you could argue over who would be the most recognizable. Maybe it's Salvador Perez because of his size and his big smile and personality. But if Salvador Perez were walking down the street uh, right now on the plaza, everybody would mob him. But if, if Patrick Mahomes was on the other side, nobody would notice him. <laughs> and so, you know, what you're seeing on TV right now, I said this on a podcast this morning, that, like, who doesn't like Patrick Mahomes? I suppose a fan of another team because he's beating you, but this guy's like the all-American kid, too, that treats everybody respectfully. So we've seen him, not this year, obviously, with the pandemic, but we've seen him multiple times come hang out for batting practice, and uh, whether it's charitable event or just hanging out. Obviously, he has baseball in his roots. I don't know how much involvement he has. I mean, I, I would think without knowing for sure, because when, when the this ownership group bought the team last fall, they have a lot of prominent 
families and, you know, family names, businesses here in Kansas City that jumped in, I think, in, as much in terms of civic pride and being involved in something. And, you know, I don't know what they got in at, what it cost to get in. I don't know if it cost the Mahomes as much or less or, or whatever, but I would almost view him more like an Eric Stone Street, the actor from Modern Family, who's also a part owner and who grew up here, that, you know, these are fun names to have. Two guys that love their, you know, the community, although Patrick didn't grow up here and love baseball. Obviously, Patrick has the baseball background, too. I don't I don't think we'll ever see him in a role where he's suiting up or whether he is, you know, making big time decisions. But they got the cardboard cut out there, and I think that everybody's happy with his presence in any way they can get it. Yeah. I, 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 went, know, I mean, who's bigger? I wanted to ask you, too. Um, it's always been a Chiefs town. Is it safe to say that? Yes? Yeah, although I would say that, you know, when the Royals were going on their run, it was equal, equal yeah. billing. If anything, I would argue that it was more Royals. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's Chiefs town. So what's it like now with the Royals in, you know, truncated season? They're not in contention. Chiefs coming off a Super Bowl. What's the, you know, if you, if you were turned on talk radio in Kansas City, what, what's going on right now? Well, I would say that unless the unless the Royals are, you know, in contention, ridiculous on fire, that September is always going to make a shift yeah. towards Chiefs. It just is in the same way that in Wisconsin, doesn't matter what the Brewers. I mean, the Brewers right now are, are fighting for a playoff spot against against you guys, and I guarantee you the bulk of the talk up there is on Packers, and so. Um, you know, certain cities are like that, right? I, I remember Tom Hamilton, the longtime voice of the Cleveland Indians, who's one of my favorites, saying, and uh, think about this, we're talking about the Cleveland Browns. He said they could they could put, what do he say, they could put a football on the mound and people would talk about that <laughs> over the Indians. And, and, you know, that's the Indians being really good most years, too. So sometimes they're like that, some aren't. I think people are very aware of what the Royals are doing, and I will say, and I don't know how much is pandemic related and how much is not. Our ratings have been among the best in baseball this year. Um, I think you guys are, are ahead of us. And, and when we were winning in 14 and 15, uh, we, were, we were number one in, in certain years there. But, but I think that ever since things turned around, starting in maybe like 2012, 2013, the Hosmers, the Moustakases, this became appointment viewing for people. So while the attention is on Chiefs, and you know I was mentioning that Brady Singer near no hitter, that came almost two weeks ago in Cleveland at the same exact time as the Chiefs were opening their season as defending champions. There were a lot of people missing that, although I, I think a lot of people actually had two TVs on. It's a baseball town, and a lot of that goes back to what happened in the 70s. You know, the, the Frank White, Amos Otis, Willie Wilson, all those years. And so it was reinvigorated in 14 and 15, and we're still seeing those numbers. I'll wrap it up with this. We're going to have Bob Kendrick uh, on the telecast tonight. I'm assuming mm-hmm. you guys are as well. Bob yes. runs the uh, Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. Tell us about the experience. I, I always tell people, make sure you go take it in. If you go to Kansas City and you see the Cardinals and the Royals play, but what they're going to get tonight when they hear Bob Kendrick and what that experience oh. is like if they go to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. I think I want to put it this way. You know, and you've done this many times, sitting at a table or in a room while Mike Shannon holds court, that's what this is at, I think, a higher level just because you're being transported back to a different time. And 
Bob Kendrick, and I never had had the pleasure of meeting. I think you did, Buck O'Neill. I, I, did, I never yeah. had that opportunity. Yep. And so I feel like I know him well, having lived here and been in the museum so many times and telling these stories. But I feel like Bob Kendrick is an extension of Buck O'Neill, and he's he is to me the best storyteller I've ever met. So if you think about the fact that he pops up on all these broadcasts all over the country all the time, and then now even more easy with, with Zoom, but, you know, we have them three to four to five times a year. And they're just, there are certain stories that I've heard a hundred times, and I, and I, and I want to hear them again, a hundred first, a hundred second time. They never get old. Um, this guy, along with many others, is helping carry on a legacy to make sure that people remember. I will tell anyone listening right now that the next chance you get when you come over to Kansas City, grab some barbecue, go to the Negro Leagues Baseball Museum. You can get in there with a mask, and it's a history lesson. It's not a baseball museum, although it is. It's a it's an American history museum. There's a similar feeling walking in there that I've had walking into the Martin Luther King Museum in Atlanta. It's just it's just an amazing history lesson, incredible storytelling. And, and even, Dan, if you've heard it before, ask him to tell the cool Papa Bell um, light switch story tonight. Oh, I will. It'll be on the air. You can guarantee that. Hey, Joel, thanks so much. I appreciate it. And uh, catch up uh, during this off season and stay safe, stay healthy. I appreciate it. Same to you and the family, and uh, I'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Dan. You got it. That's Joel Goldberg of the uh, Kansas City Royals broadcast team. Always fun to catch up with him. We'll get to some of those text messages and much more. This is 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. 2-1 pitch. Curveball lifted in the air. Out to deep left center. Carlson up. Oh, he got it. Dylan got it. What a catch from the rookie. Dylan Carlson up against the wall, robbing Salvador Perez. One of the bright spots for the Cardinals, Dylan Carlson. You can't say anything more about his defense. He's played left. He's played center. He's played right. And that leads us into a text message. Uh, Danny Mack, where do you think he potentially plays in his career? I, I I look at him as a right fielder, but you got uh, Fowler on one more year of his contract. His flexibility is going to allow him to play all over the diamond in terms of the outfield. I think long-term, though, I look at him as a right fielder. Um, so that's where I think he's going to play. In terms of where the Cardinals are, Right now, in the standings, the Cardinals, with a loss last night, are now a game above 500. They are tied with Cincinnati, four and a half back of Chicago. And the Reds and Cardinals are a game in front of Milwaukee. The Dodgers in the West, they are four in front of San Diego, but the Dodgers and Padres have clinched a playoff spot. Atlanta, they are four in front of Miami, five in front of Philadelphia. The Mets are three back of the Phillies, so still mathematically alive. Oakland is clinched. They are six and a half in front of Houston. Houston's going to go to the playoffs because they are three in front of Seattle. Top two teams in each division go. White Sox, they are a game and a half in front of Minnesota. Cleveland is four back in the uh, in the AL Central. Tampa Bay, four and a half in front of the Yankees, but Tampa Bay and the Yankees both have clinched. Mike Schilt talked about in that game last night, the big arms of Kansas City coming through late. You know, they've got some big arms in that bullpen. 
And um, they ran him out there, and, you know, we got Hernandez at the game, good at bats. Carp with a good swing. Carp had a couple good swings. Dex had good swings tonight. And then they ran out some guys, you know, that were able to locate their stuff. Stuff's pretty good. It's in the zone, pretty crisp, and um, weren't able to, you know, weren't able to string anything together. Cardinals had opportunities in the game. They just couldn't push it through, could they, Card- uh, Colton Wong? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was, you know, definitely one of those days where, you know, the zone was a little bigger than, than we wanted, but, you know, it wasn't for both sides, so no excuses there. Just one of those where we had some, you know, guys on, had some opportunities and just couldn't push through. Austin Gomber going tonight, and as Joel Goldberg was telling us, they're going to face a pretty good pitcher. Brady Singer, Carlos Martinez tomorrow, Danny Duffy going for the Kansas City Royals. If you missed it, Monday Night Football Carr was awfully good. Three touchdowns. Raiders, they open up their brand new stadium in Vegas, and it was 34 24 over the Saints. Carr want to throw for it, and a wide open Alec Ingold, the fullback. He's going to use Waller as eye candy once you get down here. He's just trying to get the ball to Alec Ingold out in the flat. The whole defense goes with Waller, and he just slips Ingold in for the touchdowns. Great play designed by John Gruden. Here's Carr. Take a shot. Why wouldn't you? And it is caught. Waiting for the signal. And it is a touchdown. At least the celebration is on. Zay Jones on the receiving end of touchdowns for the Raiders. We'll take a few looks. Here's Carr. Looking to throw for a Waller is all by himself. He'll never score an easier touchdown. John Gruden and the Raiders are now 2-0 in the Stanley Cup Finals. It was the Lightning and the Stars. That series is tied up because the Lightning come back 3-2 late. Inks it to head, middle up point. Right circle, Kutrop. In front, point! Score! Point! Beautiful! Up and over, Hedobin! Power play goal for the Lightning. It's 1-0. Boy, I'll tell you what. They needed that goal. Headman, right circle, Kutrop, cross ice, Pallant, shoot, score! Yes. Open net for Pallant, incredible puck movement by the Lightning, it's 2-0, two, two power play goals. Back of the right point, Shattenkirk, shoot, score! Quick little shot from Shattenkirk! It may have been tipped on the way in. It's 3-0 Lightning with 4.44 left in the first. They gave Shattenkirk the former blue of the goal, and so that series tied up at 1-1. We'll cross it over. Rivs, BK, coming up next on 101 ESPN. More of what you want to hear. Scoops with Danny Mac in podcast form on 101 ESPN. Time now for the crossover. Brought to you by Dobbs Tire and Auto Center's newest store. Number 41 in Eureka is now open. Quiet with that carrot cake stuff. Don't tell me to stop. I talk about carrot cake all I want. Good morning, BK. Good morning, Dan. How you doing today, I'm man? I'm doing great, man. Doing great. Cardinals need a win tonight. That's uh, for sure. That was a lost, uh, missed opportunity when you had your ace on the mound. Rivs is in studio, too. Uh, Rivs and BK, they're coming up next. So, um, yeah, big game tonight, big game tomorrow, big game every time out now. It's uh, It's a stretch run. That's all there is to it. I feel like these games against the Pirates and last night against the Royals, I feel like they shouldn't be this stressful. They're stressful. They're definitely stressful. You know what I mean? Like, they're putting so much stress on the pitching, first of all, to be absolutely perfect, or you're not in the game. 
And if there's a glitch for some reason, one bad pitch or a walk that's untimely, then all of a sudden they're behind the eight ball and the offense can't catch up. That's why you feel it's stressful because you just don't know if you're going to get the offense if you fall behind to come back and get you enough runs to win. If they get four or more runs, statistically it shows you they win. They win a lot. I mean, there's only a handful, maybe I think twice or something like that, or three times they've scored four runs and lost. So their pitching has been exceptional this year. It's some it's of the been best. Historically great. Yeah, literally historically great. And I was looking, I think we had a graphic the other day. It was something like the 42, 44 team, 67 team, and the 2020 team. Those are all championship teams that they're in line with that have been this good. But the offense just has not matched what the pitching has done. And that's been the story of 2020. If I looked this up yesterday from Sports Illustrated, I read this yesterday in Sports Illustrated, opponents are hitting 213 against Cardinals pitchers this season. Only four teams ever, ever in the history of baseball have had better numbers than that. The 2016 Cubs, the 1968 Orioles, the 1906 Cubs, and the 1968 Indians. So what do you do then if you're Jeff Albert, you're... Mike Schilt, uh, I, I propose today sh- shuffle up the lineup. You know, do something because now they got a little boost from Dexter. You could see he's he's swinging the bat fine. He he had to lay off and look pretty good at the plate. Um, I even said maybe move Goldie to four, put Carlson or O'Neill three, just something. I. I wouldn't move O'Neal that high, but I, I, I'm i with you. Like, w- let's see what something else, maybe they can get a jolt from something. I, I would even consider moving Colton Wong down. Like, I love Colton Wong. I'm the president of the Colton Wong fan. But if you can get Dex up in the leadoff spot, maybe get a higher on-base percentage there, uh, let's see what that looks like. Maybe go Carlson, too. Try putting Edmund and Wong towards the bottom of the lineup. Let's see what that looks like. And, I'd and, like to see Carlson right up. and I personally would like to see him in front of Goldie. That's why I would do it. Just so you might see more fastballs. Maybe. Maybe. You don't know. Anyway, what's coming up on the show? Fun one today, Dan. We've got your buddy Jimmy Edmonds coming up at 1130. Excited to talk about uh, this with him, the Cardinals hitting approach and everything that encompasses. Uh, Jeremy Rutherford is going to join us coming up at 1215. And watching the Royals, you know I'm from Kansas City. I've watched a lot of Whit Merrifield over the years. That guy is the quintessential Cardinal. I don't know if the Royals would be willing to trade him. I don't know. But if they would, and the Cardinals want to shed some payroll this offseason and don't want to acquire a big bat via a big salary, that is the perfect trade target for the Cardinals in the offseason. I think he's, what now, maybe eight hits behind Abreu for the, the hit leader, so it would, it would make him the third time. Three straight, yep. yeah. And Pretty darn he, good player. Since becoming a regular, uh, 300, 350, 450, basically, slash yeah. line. He's a really, really good hitter. I looked it up today. Over the last three years, he would basically be the third most productive hitter in this lineup. He, he doesn't solve all of your issues, but no. he makes you a lot better. Looking forward to it, guys. Rivs BK, next, 101 ESPN. You have been listening to the TV voice of the St. Louis Cardinals, Scoops with Danny Mack on 101 ESPN.